Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Thursday, June 3rd here in New York City. Hope everyone is doing well. A lot to get to on today's podcast. There was so much news yesterday. Every time I tried to get going on record, something else broke and it just it just wasn't going to work because just the news just kept coming waves and waves and waves. So I decided to wait till this morning to uh, to get right into it because there was so much to to get into. So first and foremost, the biggest news in the sports world yesterday was Coach K, uh, legendary Duke men's basketball coach, announced his retirement at the end of this upcoming season. So he's going to get one more year, one more chance for a Final Four, a title, get his uh little retirement tour that, that we've become accustomed to with Derek Jeter, Kobe Bryant. Uh, he'll get to go to UNC and Roy Williams and everyone will be there. They'll, they may clap for him, not just boo him uh, this year. And uh, it'll be, it'll be exciting to to see what this Duke team can do this year, especially with it being coach case last year, a little extra motivation, because uh, they're coming off a, a disappointing season last year where they did not make the NCAA tournament, which uh, su- surprised everyone, but they have some great recruits this year. As usual, it's Duke. Th- they should be back and uh, raring to go. John Shire was named as the coach-in-waiting. He will be the successor to, to Coach K. You know, I was one, and a lot of people saying, hey, go after whoever you want. It's Duke, Brad Stevens, uh, Jay Wright, Mark View. You know, it's Duke. Everyone will be interested, but they went with John Shire. Internal uh, choice, he was an assistant. He was Well, first, he was a great player at Duke, won the 2010 National Championship. He was on that team. Played briefly, I believe, overseas, then came back as an assistant coach, worked his way up to being the associate head coach. He's been the lead recruiter for some of their major, major recruiting gets the last couple of years, and Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, uh, among others, but those two especially. So Duke should be in a good place recruiting-wise. Uh, Shire wasn't the sole reason why those guys came to Duke, but he was the lead recruiter. He was, he was the main point of contact for those guys. And, and if he, and if he wasn't well liked and well respected by, by recruits and, uh, being a good recruiter, who knows if those guys would have ended up at Duke, but, uh, that'll be something interesting to, to watch going forward because Duke is, uh, the biggest, probably the biggest name Brandon in all of college hoops. So very, very interesting to see. And we'll talk more about Coach K as the summer goes on and uh, we get closer to the college basketball season. So the other big coaching news, Brad Stevens has, I don't know if he's technically resigned, but he has been promoted to the head of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. Danny Ainge has retired and Stevens will no longer coach the Celtics, but he will now be the general manager. There's been reports that uh, he was feeling burnt out from coaching from just the bubble to this crazy, crazy season, which we're just beginning to really see and, and understand just the the strain and, and and the mental health toll on not just the players, but also on the coaches and and everyone involved. And uh, so I've, I think we've seen a lot of coaches' retirements, players are speaking out about it. And this is really, really interesting because now Stevens, with no front office experience, will now elevated to the front office he's going to be hiring his successor as, as the head coach for for the Celtics and he'll be responsible for trying to get this team to back to the top of the Eastern Conference you know this year I talked about a, a couple days ago most games missed with by COVID in the league I'm, I'm pretty sure Jason Tatum 
got COVID and he was out for several weeks and it took him a bunch of weeks to get back. He, he His stories will document about uh, struggling with conditioning, needing an inhaler, all, all that stuff. It's it's uh, it's really interesting to, to read about and you feel bad for him. But in terms of for just the team itself, if your best player, Jason Tatum, misses that much of the season and then is back but is not fully back, naturally it's a it's this virus that we're just beginning to really, really understand every day we're we're learning more and more that of course they they weren't going to be that good. Then the season started a month early than everyone thought it would. Kemba Walker was not ready to go in December because he was told, like everyone else, hey, we're gonna start in the middle of January. So he was getting his treatment for his knee injury. He was building up to, to be ready to go early January and middle of January for that start date, all of a sudden now he's told, oh, wait, this training camp is now, you know, the day after Thanksgiving or whatever it was. He's like, well, I'm not ready for this. So, of course, he didn't look that good this year. Then Jalen Brown gets injured towards towards the end of the season. He's after the playoffs. That was going to hurt against Brooklyn. And then their biggest uh, midseason move was Evan Fournier, who immediately gets COVID when he goes to Boston. And he talked about how he was feeling the effects long-term of lights, giving him headaches and uh, depth perception issues. And he, they, they got him to help shooting. And if he, and if his depth perception is off, that's a really big deal. So he, he compared the, the long haul effects of his COVID uh, diagnosis to similar to a concussion and, con, and concussion like symptoms. So the Celtics disappointing season, obviously, because they finished seventh in the East after coming off the Eastern conference finals appearance. But this team is a lot closer to the top of the East than their record this year shows. So, It'll be interesting to see what Stevens does, what moves he makes, because while you're so close, it can sometimes lead to not wanting to do too much, but then also sometimes you take too big a swing and it doesn't work. You know, teams are a delicate balance. So it would be really interesting to see what he does because uh, this team could be in the finals next year or they could be back fifth or sixth in the East just because of how uh, top-heavy the Eastern Conference is. Moving on to the games from last night. We're going to have a, a moment of sadness here on, on the double-double. The New York Knicks magical fairy tale 2020-2021 season is officially over. They were eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks in five games. You know, this Knicks team severely and massively exceeded expectations this, this season. I was one who thought coming into this year they had their own pick. They had Dallas's pick pretty much unprotected for this year's draft, that this is a chance build around Barrett, build around Obi Toppin, play the young guys, figure out, you know, and and really start from scratch and build around these, these young players and and build a team that way. Julius Randall comes out after a summer where he formed his own bubble after not being, after the Knicks were not invited to the, to the Orlando bubble of doing three, four workouts a day, all offseason, he come back, has a career year, wins most improved player, shooting, his shooting numbers were off the charts insane all season long, and the Knicks stunned people, they stunned their own fans, they stunned the rest of the NBA, but all season long, great defense, makes sense under coach uh, Tom Thibodeau, and weak offense, not just like weak offense, but not that much creativity, not that much uh, shot creation from guys other than Randall, Barrett, and Rose. Not that much uh, shooting from the perimeter. And so in, in the playoffs, you get you, you get to the Hawks, and they were 
really, really good at sticking to their game plan and executing of bringing a second guy towards Randall, no matter where he was on the floor. Because Randall's a good passer. He's feeling like he's getting double teamed. He trusts his teammates. He's going to kick out to certain guys. And Atlanta was living with uh, R.J. Barrett shooting threes, Obi Toppin shooting threes, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock. Even though Burks and Bullock were two of the Knicks' best shooters, they they were they were living with it because it wasn't Randall killing them with 35-plus every game like he did to them in the regular season. So the Knicks, led by now by Leon Rose and World Wide West, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. Knicks teams historically, anytime that they overachieve, they take a massive, massive swing in the offseason and pull some trade or break up the core. I would like to see them stick to it, maybe trade up in the draft because they have two first-round picks, maybe move up if there's a guy that they really like. Keep making smart free agent uh, decisions. Uh, low risk of using cap space to, to their advantage because they have assets, they have young players, they have draft picks that if a guy like Bradley Beal, who got eliminated last night, is unhappy with with his situation, the, the Knicks could be in play because big market, successful season last year, has have what it takes to to make a deal for one of those guys. So, but don't force it. Don't go after a guy just because he's a superstar in name and is a little past his prime. Try to get a guy in his prime, Bradley Beal, Carl Towns, so, someone like that who could really elevate this this Knicks team. But don't but don't go making a splash for someone who's who's a little past their prime and overpay because then the Knicks will just be back to where they were before the season. Other big game last night, Clippers against the Mavericks. My favorite series so far in this first round of the NBA playoffs. You have Luka Doncic, who is carrying this team like a 22-year-old LeBron James back in 07 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is just putting up insane stats. He had another 40-point performance last night, triple-double. Uh, I you know, I saw some stat that the Clippers made uh, 30... 30 some odd shots in, in the game last night. Yeah, the, yeah, they made 37 shots and 30 or 31 of them Doncic was responsible for. So that means he either scored or assisted on 31 of Dallas's 37 made baskets. That is obviously not sustainable in every single game, all the way to a potential championship win. But to do it in one game, he has re- he is reaching that that level. Sorry, he didn't have a triple double. All close to a triple double. He had. 42, 14 assists, and 8 rebounds. But he's reaching a level where in one game he can carry your team to the brink of the last two minutes, make or miss, give you a chance to win, which is something that LeBron can do, Kevin Durant can do, Steph Curry can do. You know, very, very few guys in the NBA can do. And and that's what we're watching. You know, he took 37 shots. You know, that's a lot of shots. But he also missed a bunch of uh, layups short floaters, stuff like that. And the most impressive thing was he only got to the free throw line three times and he still scored 42. I would expect him to get the better end of the whistle in game six at home and get to the free throw line more. Now, obviously he struggled from the free throw line this whole series and he's dealing with that neck injury, but just he is he is dominating this series. And you have on, you have on the other team, Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George, two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA right now, and it doesn't matter. It it just doesn't matter. It's it's the way that it doesn't matter for other superstars in the league. You try to make it harder for them. You know they forced Doncic. He went seventeen for thirty seven. 
that is an inefficient, for, for the most part, night to get to 42 points. He had to take 37 shots. But when you watch him play, he is totally 100% in control. It doesn't matter what the, what the defender does. Doncic is dictating everything. He can manipulate every pick and roll to get the matchup he wants and just feels totally comfortable in every single type of defensive scheme. It just it just doesn't bother him. It doesn't affect him. What to watch in game six is, you know, he played 42 minutes. He's dealing with a neck injury. How does he respond? Shorter rest um, because he's just a terrific, magnificent player and the Dallas needs him to have another 35-plus game in game six to close out the Clippers. And the most impressive part about Dallas's game, which I love the most, which is we talked about a couple days ago after they lost game four because how easy it was for the Clippers offensively to get whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted, they they were able to score. And you, you know what? Dallas is a bad defensive team. They are a bad defensive team. They were bad in the regular season. They've been bad so far. They don't have a lot of defensive uh, players who are better at defense than they are on, on offense. That's just not that's just not how the team is constructed at the current moment. But so the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And so props to Rick Carlisle because they said, you know what? We're bad at defense and we're bad in our best defensive lineups. So let's just try something different. Let's just be different and force the Clippers to adjust to us and just see what happens. So they started Boban Marjanovic, who is a seven foot four uh, interior beast for Dallas. He's played a bunch of teams. Everyone loves him. Great personality. He was in the John Wick movie. Uh, he is humongous. He's seven foot four, 280, 290. You have to guard him on offense. So with the Clippers starting small, he was able to get inside, post up, set screens clear out space. He's a guy you have to guard. Now, obviously at seven foot four, he's a weak defensive player. So if he has to guard Kawhi Leonard one-on-one, Paul George one-on-one, it's a big advantage for the Clippers. But what Dallas did was that they just said, all right, we're we're just going to be in zone. We're going to be in zone and we're going to have Boban control the paint at seven foot four. If you make shots, if you make every shot over him, props to you. Congratulations. Tip of the cap. That's why you're going to win. But they had him do that and then just chased everyone else around in zone and made him hit contested threes because the Clippers are one of the lowest uh, free throw rates in the NBA. They were the highest percentage from three in the NBA, but they shoot so many jump shots. And Dallas just said, all right, we're just going to make you take more jump shots, more and more jump shots. And if you go and if you shoot 50 percent or 60 percent, that's fine. We got game six at at home. But we're going to say take a lot of jumpers. And it worked out for him. Because they went zone, they started this insane lineup with Doncic at 6'7", 6'8", Tim Hardaway, 6'6", Dorian Finney-Smith, 6'5", Christoph Porzingis, 7'3", and Boban, 7'4". And they said, we're just going to shoot over length, drive into length, and try to out-rebound us. And the Clippers couldn't. And the size was incredible. Now, Doncic cooled off in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it's a team game. Porzingis hit a three. I think Finney-Smith hit a three. Just great, great stuff from from them. I'm so pumped for Game Six and seeing how the Clippers respond backs against the wall, because this is a moment where for the Clippers, if they do not win this series, this team will be completely different next year. A lot of you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in the front office will probably lose their job. Coaching staff may need a change. A lot of players may be on different teams, different situations. But 
that's what makes the NBA great is that you have a team back against the wall, team trying to make the next step forward, a young superstar trying to take that next step in his progression of his career. Uh, just cannot wait for, for game six. Two big games tonight to talk about. Damian Lillard versus Nikola Jokic, game six, Portland, Denver. Game five was absolutely ridiculously insane, just bonkers. Double overtime. Lillard had 55 points, um, 12 three-pointers, just absolutely dominated just the whole game and, con- and just controlled the controlled the entire game. And what was crazy about it, you know, just, you know, he's he's an unbelievable shooter, but just the shots, he's making sidestep, spin moves, step backs, actually at the three-point line, 10 feet behind the, the, the three-point line, just ridiculously insane shot making from Damian Lillard that makes it so much fun to watch him play, so much fun to watch this series because you have Lillard doing unbelievable things and then you come back down the court and... There's Nikola Jokic, most likely the MVP of of the NBA, doing equally just ridiculous things. And that game tonight, 8 o'clock TNT, must, must see. I think Portland wins tonight, force a game seven, but how much do they have left? How much much does Lillard have left? I think he has a lot left, but how much do the other guys on the team? What about Denver? Can they score 120-plus again to, to, to try and close out this series this would be the first series win in less than seven games I think in two or three seasons it's unbelievable what this Denver team goes through in the playoffs what they do to their fan base by playing so many game sevens but I cannot wait for this game it's going to be interesting to see who steps up I still think CJ McCollum can have a 35 plus point game he'll be at home uh, tonight in Portland Michael Porter Jr. not lacking in confidence. He'll come out firing. He played a great game five, shooting the ball wise. Uh, so, so we'll see. You know, maybe this is the game Aaron Gordon gets gets going from from the perimeter. Denver's big uh, midseason acquisition, but cannot wait for this game. Jokic, if you had to wager on any one stat or prop bet for this game, it's Jokic to have a triple double. I mean, he's just oh, he's just. He's the point guard for this team. He'll play center, and he's just a the MVP. He rises to to the occasion. He's just incredible. Cannot wait uh, for that. Portland is fair in this game, probably because they're at home, but it's it's going seven. I feel, and, and it's just it's just going to be great, great theater. The other game, the biggest, even though the Nuggets Trailblazers has been a better, had a much better game five, even though they were stuck on NBA TV. Which NBA? Come on. The biggest game tonight is Lakers-Suns. Why? LeBron James involved. Biggest game. LeBron James down three games to two at home at the Staples Center. Anthony Davis, questionable. The the worst tagline in sports for any type of injury is questionable because no one knows what questionable means. He's got a groin injury. He, He talked about how He's tried tried to go in game five, but the groin, you know, controls a lot of movement. He, it's, it's hard to compensate for it. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I think he'll play. I think with the extra days of rest, uh, he's recovery. He's he, he's a warrior. He'll he'll go out there. He'll he'll try and play. But if he's not 100 percent healthy, man, is it going to be tough? L- you know, LeBron played a typical LeBron game, knowing in game five, hey, we have. 
we no matter what happens, we're going to play game six. So I'm going to come out here and I'm going to try and get my teammates involved and make them feel good and increase their confidence So because I need them to hit shots and play well if we're going to win this series. Because no matter what happened in game five, they were still going to play game six. And so what happened was LeBron was, a, in my opinion, stayed in that zone a little too late in Denver. Uh, sorry, Phoenix obviously shot the ball incredibly well. Devin Booker played great. Chris Paul, they they were hitting shots all all game long. They were hitting shots. So we'll see, you know, all, all, role players always play better at home. We'll see if Phoenix can shoot the ball as well as they did in game six. But there there's not much to say about the Lakers in this game other than obviously it all comes down to LeBron. LeBron, I think he can carry this team just to a victory tonight. He knows, you know, it's obviously it's LeBron James. He's been in the NBA 18 years. He's he's done this before. And that's why even though Phoenix is, is up three games to two in this series, so many people still don't pick against the Lakers. They don't pick against LeBron because LeBron James has done this so many times before that until he doesn't do it, we're just going to keep picking him to to win the series, to, to drag his team across the finish line for victories. And I think if Davis plays, the Lakers win this game uh, not comfortably, but but closely, uh, and it just if the Lakers can get some type of contribution from either Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Schroeder, Marcus All, someone from three would be just would just be a massive, massive, massive help. Wes Matthews, keep an eye on him. He he he's due for a four for seven, five for nine game from three. Plays good defense. Uh, that game 10:30 TNT. It's an exciting day. It's an exciting day of NBA basketball. You could have two, 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 two series tonight could be forcing game sevens, or two series could be ending and ending series where two teams could be really interesting because Damian Lillard, you know, LeBron, you know, it's well documented how much LeBron respects him and and loves his game. Lillard, if he gets eliminated in the first round again, he's an incredibly loyal guy. But Portland may say, "What do we do? How do we get better? What are the moves we can make?" And the Lakers are going to be saying the same thing: "How do we get better?" And they're going to be staring at each other. Everyone knows LeBron really respects Damian Lillard, and if they both somehow lose tonight, that's going to be the trade rumor for the next month, two months, three months through free agency is. Lillard to the Lakers, Lillard to the Lakers, which will be just fascinating to watch. So even though I think two game sevens will be forced tonight, both these teams could still lose the series. You know, they're obviously down three games to two. The other teams are professionals as well. So I'm just pumped for the playoff games tonight. It's going to be great theater. Definitely a night to be near television. To If, if, if you love the NBA, it's hard to get, uh, it's hard to find a night as exciting as as this one with with so much on the line so that'll do it for this episode of the double double if you like this podcast you can find us on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcast where you could subscribe rate and review five stars would be much much appreciated you can also follow us on twitter at dbl underscore dbl podcast take care and make it a great day